Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Beach episode part two. Yeah. No, more oh, starts I thought on you were going to say beach really. party over. <laughs> starts on the beach, and hopefully we are not on the beach. Cough, Hollis, cough. I have teleports this time. We'll try again. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get greater teleport. I'm just saying. I'm going to buy a scroll of greater teleport and learn it immediately. So, yeah, I suppose kicking off where we left off, the party had finished their battle against Tenedef, Mafre, the ghost sorcerer, whatever the heck he was. Major did jerk. A whole bunch of, uh, did a whole bunch of things to all of you guys, blasting off spells left, right, and center, floating around through walls, the usual ghost kind of thing. Not a fun time. Following that, all of you had decided that you were going to head out. Uh, in essence, that you had finished everything that you had planned to do in your preparations before activating the Kepsutanum and bringing down Hakatep's Pyramid. And you suppose uh, kicking off the end game. So following that, you decided that you're going to teleport back to Sothis and one last shopping spree before the end. Yep. However, uh, due to an unfortunate teleportation mishap, you had ended up, I think it was like 153 miles or something off target. We in, Yeah, so, we ended up severely off target. It could have been to worse. To be fair, we were going a very, very long distance. So it's like, I think it's like the greater the distance, the greater the off you can be. It's percentage. Uh, okay. Yeah, you guys were tra traveling. I think it was 333 miles exactly. Yeah, something like that. Because <laughs> yep. I remember watching Hollis, you know, like the meme where all the math stuff is floating over red. How far off are we? <laughs> <laughs> Just stared in the distance. <laughs> Due to an unfortunate teleportation mishap, you had found yourselves swimming in the Obari Ocean off the eastern coast of Osirian. At which point you had uh, splashed back ashore, gone, well, settled in because... It would take you days to reach any civilization from here, trucking across a trackless desert, even with your sand boat. We're that far yep. off, y'all. The sand boat can't save us. I mean, the sand boat did save you because uh, I think Heather pointed out that the sand boat is also a regular boat. It is yep. also a regular yeah, it boat. So it got to be used as such. <laughs> it got us where we needed to go. <laughs> it can actually transform into, I think, a 40-foot long sailing ship. If it you can. Need it to. Yeah, it can turn into a huge yeah, boat. Yeah, if we have the so. hook for it. Yeah, we have to have more people to crew it. Masika's going to make uh, caravanning across the desert way easier for her people after this is all over. Oh, that's part of her plan. <laughs> We're going to have a bunch of these. Cause you, oh, yeah, because like the we, I looked it up. They're like 9,000 gold. So you yeah. could, I mean, if you have a, if we have a huge like stash of treasure from Hakatep, you know, spoils of combat and such, don't disrespect the dead. Masika can just make them. I like to think that, uh, that Narmer slips in there and messes with the magic when Masika's making them. So they all have like giant cells with like two narmers cresting across the top like the ancient uh, the Grecians the Phoenicians had on their ships the yeah, I like that it's just the, the fish fleet becomes catfish from here on yep. out catfish oh man the fish fleet that's what you call them yes <laughs> in the desert with no fish yes exactly <laughs> the irony is palpable I suppose to begin the four of you six of you counting sugar and armor wake up the the following morning step out watch the sunrise as you're facing out over the eastern ocean the sun rising above this limitless expanse of blue green mirrored by the lighter blue in the sky above the waves crashing in around your feet kick out the campfire from the night before where you all sat around and consider the fact that this is almost the end before imagine a sand whistling past a crab watching nervously from nearby <laughs> considering how many Crab sugar murdered the night before. So many. <laughs> she ate so well. She was oh, like, this you, is just, just a small You pan bone. over to sugar and she's just below it, like just huge. She's like, taking a nap. 
in the bag. Yep. Yep. Asleep, full asleep. Should have filled up on those cheddar rolls. <laughs> 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 I think the plan was to teleport. Yep, let's go. <laughs> hopefully success. And hopefully we make it this time. Yeah, uh, okay, I'm going to think about, I'm going to think a lot about Sothis, and then I'm going to cast a spell. Where specifically are you thinking about? All right, places that Hollis would have spent a lot of time in Sothis. You're targeting the common room of the inn that you were in last time. Yeah, well, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, last time we teleported, we ended up in a farm, so, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I did spend a lot of time looking at that farm. We could go back to the farm if you want to. Yeah, that's fine. Anywhere right, the farm. we're not going to be off uh, off target would be great. So if that's the case, I'd give you, uh, eh, we'll call it study carefully. Yay. I have detailed diagrams of this on a different string board in my cloak. <laughs> so go ahead and roll percentile. 63. Okay. That Still didn't matter. High. You could have made it if you viewed the place once. <laughs> okay. So you focus. Chant and tone. Grab onto uh, everyone. Again, for all of you, the world turns black. There is this hook sensation behind your navel, and you feel vaguely like you're falling and moving sideways simultaneously. Sound and sight drop out before rushing back in in an almost cacophonous immediacy of the ocean disappears, utter silence the next second, the sound of the river flowing next to you and shouts of panic from various people as all of you appear out of thin air and then drop into the middle of chicken coop. All right, y'all, we made it. Chicken pen, more accurately. I mean, I hope yeah. we made it, considering that this is a chicken coop once again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I suppose to, uh, to continue along, all of you make your way back into the city of Sothis. The city is uh, somewhat tenser and more on edge than when you'd previously seen it. Is there a I'll go ahead and give pyramid? it to you that uh, even asking any questions, apparently there have been strange attacks on the outskirts of Osirian, as well as merchant vessels fallen under the strange angled shadows and been mm. destroyed. Ooh. Oh. Great. Great. Uh, this has caused the majority of Sothis to be rather on edge, all things Fair considered. Great. And they are particularly suspicious of any newcomers coming into the city covered in weapons and gear. Uh, which all They've of been you here are. Before. <laughs> yeah, but they don't remember you. <laughs> yeah. We do some very quick shopping and, and then we go bring down a pyramid. I'd like to take this day to scribe a bunch of scrolls into my spellbook and then take down a pyramid. I suppose you make your way in through the Triangle Gate, pass through this uh, this prop this prosperous district in the southern side of Osirian before heading in through uh through the city to eventually approach Scorpion Road and make your way to the Malhitu Bazaar. Which is, of course, basically the largest bazaar, second largest bazaar in uh, Garoon, next to the bazaar in Katapesh, which is larger. To be fair, there's not much that you can mercantilely speaking do to top Katapesh. Mm. I got everything in Katapesh. If you're looking to buy and sell, it would, of course, take a couple of hours to wander around, find the things that you're needing, find the various shops, especially considering that, again, the, uh, the Malahitu Bazaar is exceptionally large. It's basically a quarter mile uh, promenade, which leads from the gates lined by the, these five white statues of sphinxes. And since there are no permanent established locations here, it is first come, first serve. Oh. Ergo, whatever shops that you went to the last time that you were here in Sothis are now in a different location here, somewhere within a quarter mile mm -hmm. or so. 
Yay. Fun. <laughs> it's musical. So, and we have we have a quarter million gold pieces of loot to sell. So it's a lot. So we've, we're going to bankrupt a, more than a few merchants, I'm sure. There's something in my head that's Probably. really nice about like having so much money walking into a shop that sells scrolls and walking out with like a fairly small stack of paper. That was all of my <laughs> I like to think it, it's at least like one of those things where you walk out and it's like at least a comic amount where you're trying to juggle like the 10 scrolls because they don't all fit well together because they're all different sizes and stuff. Well, the, uh, I don't know if it's, actually, I think it might still be the same. I bought 12 squirrels. It sounded like you said 12 squirrels, and I, I also bought 12, 12 squirrels. <laughs> Why? I have a very complicated know. plan to deal with this sky pyramid. <laughs> I'm going to arm them with scrolls and then send them into the yeah. pyramid to cast, I don't know, something weird. They're all flying squirrels. <laughs> no, I think it used to be in three point, and I'd have to check and see because it used to be that each scroll was a again when you scribe it into your spell book, it takes a page per spell level, and that mm -hmm. each scroll was a foot long per level of the <laughs> spell. Yeah. So like you'd yeah. have these nine foot long scrolls for the uh, ninth level spells, which are but ridiculous. They're, they're in a yeah. sack. I still like to think of it that way because it's hilarious to think of like, okay, I'm gonna cast this ninth level scroll that I wrote, whoosh, and it's like this giant thing, and he's just like sitting there like reading through it really, 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 really fast, like he's one of the uh, mm -hmm. the auctioneers. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The real confusing one is why power words are it's just yeah, one exactly. word power really words big. Still, <laughs> yeah, still a six foot scroll for some reason. Well, the idea of when you sit down to memorize your spell yeah. is you pretty much memorize the whole thing except the last like few trigger words, so it's ready to go in six seconds. Yeah, I like that. I like uh, that. Fancy that makes, magic. That makes sense on how you can cast a really complicated spell in six seconds. But I suppose all of you shop around uh, just for fun. Uh, why don't all of you give me uh, one cool thing that you're picking up while you're here? Sudi has upgraded his, um, I'm imagining very sandy, maybe a couple holes in it, uh, Cloak of Resistance up from a plus two to a plus five. Fancy. My saves are bananas. And by upgrade, you mean you sold the original one and bought a new one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're doing this yeah. fast, so like I literally <laughs> just like handed him that and a sack of gold and then took my plus five cloak and put it on. Yep. Hollis did the same thing with a headband of vast intelligence. Uh, okay. Masika did the same thing with her headband of wisdom and her amulet of natural armor going from plus two to plus four. I've got a 36 AC, y'all. Oh, nice. I'm still sitting at 21 without mage armor. I got a 31 now. <laughs> Out of curiosity for Hollis, what's the new skill? The new skill is Dungeoneering. Dungeoneering. Fun. Hmm. Huh, okay. It's like, I'm going into a dungeon. It seemed like a dungeon. I, I was like, I don't know. I don't if, we've know. Had, if we've had like more than a couple of Dungeoneering roles either. Yeah. Yeah, you guys don't fight a lot of aberrations, which is usually when that comes mm -hmm. into play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although apparently uh, Hakatep's wife worshipped crazy evil things. So from very well the might so maybe. this yeah. time around. Who knows? Yeah, because it's, it's, I have planes, religion, and Dungeoneering now. So those are my, have, well. Have the doorkeepers me. ever fought an ooze? No, no, I don't think, think so. so. No, we have not. Not that I remember. Mm. Oh, no, we fought a sticky thing that got sticky on Sekiro. Was that an ooze? Uh, no, that was... No. Wasn't that an undead? I think it was an aberration, because I think it was a guy that was an aberration. To him. That was a sticky thing, because it made me think it of was a, a weird... sticky thing. Yeah, I, but it wasn't it's an aberration. Oh, well. Yeah, I don't There's still one book. Maybe I can squeeze an ooze in there. No. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to fight an ooze. They These squeeze the into things very easily. Uh, Rachel? I bought 10 scrolls of greater invisibility. <laughs> I'm Every it. single fight, rip out that scroll and read it and just go to town. You know what? I started out with five and I was like, just in case. I don't know if Hollis is picking it up. 
And just in case she's not, I want to make sure that uh, when it comes down to it, I can get my sneak attack. I like to think that Hollis saw you buy 10 scrolls. I like to think that Hollis saw you buy 10 scrolls and went, I'm not going to buy a scroll because she probably won't use all of those and I'll just get it from her later. Like, I'll just buy it off of her later. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, that. I love that. I don't know. We're going into this rave pyramid with a million we'll people. We'll so we Pl- shall Please see. tell me that's the majority of your gold that you spent was just buying these scrolls. Uh, it was a good chunk. <laughs> that's great. Masika did buy Hollis's Ring of the Ram that she never uses off of her. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah, Narmer's got a Ring of the Ram on his, like, it's it's probably more like a bracelet on his flipper. (laughs) (laughs) But now Narmer has a Ring of the Ram. I'm sure that won't go wrong at all. I'm just waiting for him to finish something, like, massive. Like, we've all knocked it down like we'd more have. And he's just like, my shit, and then punches (laughs) (laughs) it. Yes. Oh, it's gonna be great. The cycle will be complete if Narmer somehow kills kills Steals the Hakatep. Uh, oh my god! If Narmer kills Steals Hakatep, that will be like the crowning achievement of this AP. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and we will officially know who the true hero was. It was Narmer. Brave, brave Narmer. So yeah, I suppose you spend your day going around the bazaar here. Uh, and imagine eventually meeting back up for lunch, eating, kind of spending the morning selling everything, stopping by and getting some, uh, stopping by one of the street vendors and getting some street food, settling down on a, a nearby bench, listening to people nervously talk about the uh, the strange sightings and bizarre stories coming from all about. It's been about six months for you guys, so the uh, the next adventure path has already started somewhere else mm. in the world. What so was like, the yeah, that's after this? Uh, that'd be Iron Gods. Yeah, so, oh, that's Iron far Gods away. Is kicking up. Yeah, there's some trouble up in New Maria, but you guys don't hear anything about we that. Won't, yeah, you won't even hear about that for a while. Sure. I suppose uh, all of you find... Are you finding an inn, or are you teleporting back to the uh, the trenches today? I can use greater teleport tomorrow and not have a chance of putting us somewhere random. <laughs> I like this plan. Cool. I guess we'll find an inn. Or we could stay in the mansion. I was going to say, or we can save the gold and stay in the mansion. Well, it might be good to like we can stay hear in the, the hotel and hear the rumors. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Is there like a Marriott? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps a Lakinka? Do you guys have something in the Hilton Honors program? <laughs> you could easily return back to the same inn that you were staying at the last time that you were here. Uh, rent your rooms. I think they were three gold pieces each. I'm sure you guys have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Easily, yes. Most of the rumor around the city is, again, a lot of people are talking about this. Strange shadows in the sky, these strange things that have been happening. Beyond that, there's word coming from further afield of distant lands and odd again shadows from the skies descending down and destroying or causing havoc around basically the entirety of the north and uh, northern and eastern portions of Garoon. Well and like a week and a half ago a pyramid literally landed in Wati so oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the whole pyramid falling out of the sky and landing in Wati wait is, seriously uh, that was a week ago? yeah a like deal. a week yeah. and a half oh, ago. Long ago Yeah, we've, we've been moving real fast through the, through the should, trenches should Jeez. we like message Mom and Afra and be like, hey, by the way, um, here's what's Masika happening. Masika doesn't know Mom and Afra, so that's oh, up fair. to the rest of the party. Well, I mean, you could queue up like you did last time and wait in line for however no, long to that. get into the... Uh... No, thank you. Yeah, rather not. And it's also time. like, really, what are they going to do? It, it's more <laughs> that the idea of somebody else knowing what's going on so that if we all, you know, if we TPK on this, then they could send in the B team. It's send her a letter. Or slash, we could... S- 
sending it to her feels better than the pr- than the prince because the fifteenth level cleric that the ruby prince is can get off his butt and handle it himself. You know, it's tr- he's our level. Hey, we're just, <laughs> we're just as strong as him. Somebody dies, they play the ruby prince. <laughs> <laughs> it goes all yes. Thanos just stands up I'll do this myself <laughs> yes. Yes. he can bring along that greater fire elemental oh, yeah, that just hangs that around in his court yes if two of you die we have backup characters <laughs> <laughs> and some Risengard it'll all be great he brings along Mom and Offer. She's gained a couple more bard levels and then True. the Kopishman I believe is the head of the Risengard yes because nice. they give up their names whenever they become Risengard hmm. you all finish your shopping. You make your way over to Sphinx side, which is where you stayed previously. A little bit of, again, it's kind of the uh, it's the artsy quarters. It's the Bishop Arts nice. District if you're in Dallas. It's that uh, <laughs> that bohemian art district part of Sothis. Nice. Find a nice in there. Rest up through the evening. Awaken bright and early the following day. I suppose I'll convene in a Hollis's room after telling them it's like, "Yeah, we're going to be leaving. Don't worry, we're not walking out the front." Yep, bye. <laughs> you gather back together to return back to the slave churches. I'm going to greater teleport us in front of Tefnaju's place. All right. Unless y'all want to go directly to the sun disc or something, but. Well, technically we have to go to the, God, the lantern vault. We have to teleport to uh, the place we just were. Yeah, we go to the the lantern vault and activate that. Then we have to go to the map room where we fought the ghost and use the wand that Jordan almost sold to activate. (laughs) Man, you're salty about that. Jeez. Because it would have been such a man doesn't mark one thing as party treasure, and suddenly he's getting called out in front of everybody. (laughs) I was just curious where this bus came to Sothis for Sudi to get kicked under. (laughs) 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 Just think it's like, and then Sudi nearly sold or won. And then, uh, yeah, anoint the points on the map that represent the obelisks in the correct order. Then we go to the sun disk and finish the activation. But I don't remember how we do that. It's in the notes somewhere. All you're told is that you needed the Pharaoh's key. Oh, yeah, we have the key. All right, I'll teleport us to the lantern vault. Outside, like right outside the lantern vault. We might want to actually do Tefna Jews just to tell them hey we're about to get this party started. Activate this. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on to something. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, we really have no freaking clue what's going to happen, so he'll know. So where you go? Uh, I'm going to go lantern vault because I feel like he'll he'll figure out we're there. Okay. Yeah, because the moment we start messing with it, he can sense it, right? He can sense it as soon as we enter into the trench. No, you have to interact with one of the things. Oh, no, that's right. You do have to interact. Yeah, Yeah, you have to interact with one of the things. Okay. I guess we enter the lantern vault. Polis, you chant and tone with your now more powerful spell. Yeah, better magic. That's a sleep. For all the rest of you, you're not sure if it's uh, bias or uh, placebo effects, not the exact word that I'm looking for, but uh, the teleportation seems smoother, a little less (laughs) jarring. There, the, is no, the there isn't version. that uncomfortable, like, little drop, like you missed the last step when you're going down the stairs at the very end, because Hollis isn't trying to adjust for level or anything else like that. The magic almost course corrects for her mm. as uh, you're teleporting outside of the, the door to the lantern vault. Mm-hmm. The in-room around you vanishes. Blackness closes in, and then suddenly sound rushes back as you find yourself not inside, but now standing in the, the shadow here on the northeastern side of the Kepsutanum, the wide archway that leads into the lantern vault directly ahead of you, all of you cast completely in shadow as it's just after dawn. And since you're on the northeastern side, the cliff face is directly ahead of you and blocks out the sun from above. Am I the only one who's, you know, a little nervous about actually 
going through with this. It's gonna be awesome. It's going to be something, but it's a necessary step. It doesn't matter whether we're comfortable with it or not. No, I'm just saying it's like kind of a big, you know, what if this doesn't work? Well, let's not be We really want to hope it, that it does work, because if it doesn't work, I don't know what we're going to do. If it doesn't work, we could try to piece together where we think the pyramid is and fly high enough to see it and, like, infiltrate. But that feels bad, and that feels Especially because most of us can't just permanently fly. Well, I, there's magic. For, we can magic that, but... Uh, I'm pretty sure if we fail here, we might actually need to go find some backup. Mm-hmm. I don't really know many people outside the desert. Yeah, we'll find them. We'll worry about it then. <laughs> I bet this will work. It has to work. Much the worst it could happen. <laughs> no, you're not supposed to ask that. Anyway, let's get this going. You make your way up? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Oh, boy. Here we go. You make your way forward. Ascend up the few steps to make your way into the, the open archway here. Enter into this ancient corridor that just slices horizontally into the trench wall. The cartouches, once covered in light, have now dimmed and darkened. You steadily make your way forward, ignoring the passage ahead, knowing that there's four more golems down there that you've never actually dealt with, and instead nope. turn to make your way down the narrow passage off towards the left. A short distance down this, you enter into a room of a rectangular chamber, its corners rounded off to create smooth edges. A 10-foot diameter, 1-foot-high stone disc, its rim decorated with hieroglyphs and its center bearing an onk-shaped indentation, the width of a human hand, sits on the floor in the middle of the room, with a cylindrical hallway exiting the chamber off towards your right. The walls of that hallway seemingly incredibly smooth and lit with rings of light every 10 feet. After having gone down there before, you know that this is basically a giant battery. <laughs> All, right. All right. I guess we'll... Insert the lantern. Very well. Who has the lantern? I don't remember, but Masika will take it and put it in. Masika, you step forward. Take out the lantern. Narmer fidgets nervously on one shoulder. Just kind of leaning over and watching. You lay the lantern down. It's curious that as you bring the lantern close, you just kind of move it to get into position. It's almost pulled out of your hand. Like a magnet too close to a large metallic object. As it just slots neatly into its carved receptacle. There's a soft vibration that runs through the room. The great receptacle, the life lantern now in place, rises up, tilting on one edge as if an invisible force were lifting it until it goes from horizontal to vertical. After this, it steadily glides its way, sliding north towards the exit that leads out the circular tunnel at the far end of the chamber. As I imagine, Masika quickly retreats back from, you know, the sliding slab. I imagine all of us do that thing where, like, it snaps in there and we all just back out of the room. <laughs> it then seamlessly, seemingly, seals against the edge of this passage. All right. For all of you, Sudi, most keenly, you feel this vibration, almost like the waves of the ocean, this thrumming energy that to each of you brings back to mind the same sensation, the same feeling that you had inside of the flying pyramid over Wati. That thum, thum, thum. The air almost seems to crackle with power. All right, part one seems to have worked. All right. Let's head to the monument vault. As a fun side note, remind me in the after party to uh, talk to you about what happens if you are trapped inside of there. 
I'm assuming you die. <laughs> Squish. Well, no, there's a whole tunnel back behind there. It doesn't go the entire length of the way back. It just plugs the entrance to it. Oh, yeah, no, there's a whole tunnel, but I'm imagining that entire place uh, is just irradiated with power. All right, I guess, Hollis, do you have the carriage of fly awesomeness to get us over to the Sacrifinet? Or do we just want to teleport because um, we have to go through Beck and Tofra for that? I have two dimension doors. Oh, okay. Or we can ride the horse, but I feel like to... We should ride the horse and then dimension door is what mm -hmm. I'm hearing. Yeah, that's In what we've been out. doing. That has yeah. been our yep. approach. Okay. Aren't you glad we didn't do this when we would have put us on like a maybe seven oh, day time period? Oh, it would have period. been awful if we had to do all of that, that, that week long work that we did in like one day or 12 hours or whatever we have to do. It would have been awful. Most clutch legend lore. <laughs> Step one done. I suppose you make your way back out. Yep. Summoning your chariot again. Yep. Yep. Chariot of fire. Chariot of kind of quasi horse beasts. Very well. And... So from the Lantern Vault to the Monument Vault, it's a journey of about three miles or so, you know, as the crow flies. And we and have a And as such, chariot. with your chariot, you can make that in about 15 minutes. Hmm. Cool. Assuming that you're not, like, pushing them to, like, race nah, across the good. sky. Traveling across the distance in short order, you arrive at the same sand falls that you've gone past on numerous occasions before. Beck and Topher are still nowhere to be seen, which you suppose is a good thing. Yeah, Definitely we don't really want him to bother with us. Yeah, mythic uh, elder earth elemental, not something we want to trifle with. I suppose then you make your way in? Mm -hmm. Yep. Are you dimension dooring directly into the chamber? Yeah, I think we can. You chant and tone. Extend a hand as you dismount the chariot, summon up a purple door. Step free of the opposite side as you exit into the or as you suppose re-enter into the chamber where you were literally day before yesterday fighting mm -hmm. for your life against the ghost. Some of us died. For a few minutes. <laughs> you didn't even die for a few minutes. You it died in minute. for seconds. Six, seconds. Six whole seconds. Yo, I think I should start a transportation service because it seems handy. Okay, can we talk Can we talk about the fact that you just stole that from one of my characters that also started a transportation service after he was right, <laughs> a high-level wizard with greater teleport? <laughs> All I mean, the taxi I'm services. hoping to, to make more of those sand barges and make, he, make the, you know, parched dunes easier to transverse and maybe a trading hub again. Hmm. Anyway. Or we could pick up control weather and just make the weather nicer. Uh, Arriving in the chamber. If that ghost is back, I swear to God. <laughs> the chamber is no longer dark. Ooh. Say what now? Oh. The ball reliefs oh. adorn the far wall this, of this immense dark chamber, depicting the, again, the, the story along the outside walls of the Kalnakas. The far wall, however, is covered in a depiction of the entirety of the slave trenches. As you've activated the life, or used the life lantern to activate the slave trenches, 11 blue points of light glow within the maps in cleverly hidden holes where you believe the, the 11 great sacrifiers, the monuments built around the outside of the slave trenches, are erected. As you begin to approach closer towards it, there is a curious thing that all of you note. Uh, any of you that can take 10 on knowledge religion and get a 15. Oh, yeah. Yep. Hey, even I can do that. Citra can recognize a few. It's an interesting thing where each one of these holes shines this blue light across the full length of this chamber and then against the wall opposite of them. The wall, in essence, where you would have come in if you hadn't just mentioned door inside of the building. Each one of these is not just a blue light like a beam, but in fact is a shadowy projection of one of 11 different holy symbols against the far wall. Cool. cool. Masika will... 
I guess pull out the wand of less holy, water. less water. That's always drippy, if I remember correctly. Yep, it has a special drippy That thing. drippy wand. And <laughs> I, we wrote down, of course, just as instructions, because I do not remember off the top of my it. head the correct order. So we start with Horus. Stepping forward. Yeah, Masika pulling out the wand. Since you're quickly flipping open her journal, going, it's like, okay, okay, here it is. After having transcribed the words of Chisisek from, uh, actually, I think it's been about a month now. Narmer will tell us that was in book four. Yep. It's in Chinchurch's <laughs> fourth journal, National One. You step forward, beginning with horse, representing the power of elemental air. Ta, representing the power of elemental earth. Isis, representing the use of magic to create great works. Ra, representing the power of the sun shining in the heavens above. Kepri, representing the use of physical labor to create great works. Osiris, representing the transition of death into life. Sobek, representing the power of elemental water. Ma'at, representing the power of the stars in the heavens above. Sekhmet, representing the power of elemental fire. Toth, representing the power of the moon in the heavens above. And then finally, Set, representing the transition of life into death. Curiously, as you tap each one of these, Masiki, you feel a tingle run along your hand. As you tap the last one, there is this feeling that all of you have. First off, there's a sound, even this far underground, like the cacophony of a dozen thunderclaps at once, rumbling through the earth. Yikes. For all of the rest of you, you now hear, and Masika more so than the rest, Masika, you hear this very distant, plaintive welling. The rest of you hear it very faintly, the way that Masika has heard it and felt it ever since she stepped into the trenches. Like the sound of a thousand elementals screaming out at once. Well, that sounds foreboding. Oh, it's been the whole time we're here. They're just loud enough, I think, for everyone to hear them now. Oh, and you've been hearing this the entire time? Mm-hmm. Mm, that had to be difficult. Disturbingly for Sudi also, there is a sensation through your feet that everything is rumbling. It's very faint. Again, like a, a distant landslide. You don't see anything moving, but you're certain that if you felt your hand down to the earth, you could just sense the soft vibration of an insane amount of magic running through the earth itself. Mm -hmm. There's so much magic being manipulated here, I can feel it in my mm. feet. It's like the entire complex is shaking ever so slightly. Well, Tallis has her own journal out and is taking copious notes. I suppose to the Guardian Vault? The Sun Disk. All right. Hollis? Right, we dimension door back to the, to the chariot. Hollis, you chant in tone. Gesture with a hand. All of you step through. You could not have been down there for more than five minutes. However, as you step back, there is an immediate shift in mm. the trenches. The sky overhead is full of lightning in a cloudless blue sky. Ooh. Arcs of lightning streaming back and forth in every direction, filling the air with this perpetual sound of thunder and rushing wind. There's been a sudden temperature drop as it's gone from being in the mid-90s to dropping down into the 70s in just the few minutes that you're in there. And as you step free, not just the difference between going from underground to the surface so quickly, but some other change immediately makes your ears pop from the sheer change in pressure as you step back free. Hollis, that's not what I think it is, is it? Lightning? 
I don't know. What do you think it is? I'm hoping <laughs> you're going to tell me it's just an illusion and it's not actual lightning that's flying across the, the sky here. You're the one who said there's powerful magic going everywhere. Now you can see it. Magical energy in the form of lightning. Does that make it better? Not really. We better avoid this. There's probably enough magic to incinerate us. Maybe we don't walk through the uh, glyph itself. We could go uh, around the edge. Mostly. I mean, how high in the air is this? Can we still... I imagine it's at the the height of the... Uh, if you're down the in the obelisk. trenches, you're fine. Yeah. Above the trenches, most of the arcs are only about 80 feet above the surface of the ground. All right, so we'll just ride in the chariot along the grooves of the trenches <laughs> yeah. to the sun disk. Yikes. This actually takes you past a number of the the obelisks as you make your way through the trenches, navigating your way back in the direction of the sun disk. Each one of the the sacrifiers stretching up out of the earth, each one of them seems to be acting like a massive lightning rod. Electricity coursing from the pinnacle of it all the way down to the ground. And as you begin to make your way, you can see that with each pulse of electricity, even though it looks almost like a constant stream, it seems to ebb and flow in that same thum, thum, thum beat that you had felt whenever you were inside of the lantern vault. With each thum, the central sacrifiers seem to arc out to all of the surrounding obelisks, lining the trenches in every direction as if steadily drawing in whatever power comes from them. That's messed up. You can probably see this for a good ways off. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, good thing there's nobody around here. I those mean, lizard folk aren't too far. Yeah, those lizard say, folk are like, Here's nope. some people. You know nope. those lizard folk know better than to come up here and investigate. They're like, nah, humans are doing some shit again. Uh-uh. <laughs> now those were, cla that's a classic adventure move right there, man. We don't get involved with them adventurers. With the speed of the chariot navigating, even just navigating your way through the trenches instead of ascending up to the surface, it would only take you about an hour and a half or so to wind your way through the trenches for about the, it's almost 15 miles that you mm. travel. As I imagine, Sudi's just kind of cracking the whip and leading the way. While, while keep, like, though, he, keeps he keeps glancing up at all the lightning, like, uh All of Sudi's fur standing on end as he stares up towards the sky. I mean, to be fair, this much lightning would usually be the get inside immediately type yep. scenario. The, you know, two times in his life it's probably ever happened. Narmer actually preempts Masika and just like opens the bag, slides in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll be in here, gosh. Even though it's real cool. I just picture the flap is open just enough so he can peek. There's <laughs> yeah, like that one fish goggles. eye popping out. Narmer bought a little periscope. It just sticks out of the top. <laughs> yes. You want making your way. Knowing that, again, all you have to do is activate all this, uh, I believe it's between dawn and noon. And considering yep. that you're only about two hours in, you've still got another two hours until, actually closer to three hours until noon. Mm -hmm. You travel for some time before finally arriving at the sun disk. As you make your way up the one path that leads up from the trenches here and onto the upper landing, just near the, the Akuminet, the Guardian Vault, you see the massive sun disk stretched out ahead of you. Approaching closer to it, the large yellow-orange plaza stretches around here. In the very center of which you can see the 50-foot diameter disk of gray basalt, surrounded by this curving trench which stretches on, on every side of it, as well as the usual collection of both bones and sand that are scattered everywhere around it. And a dead mummy dinosaur is nearby now, too. 
No, it, it collapsed into dust. Oh, yeah, that's I was going right. to say, it, it doesn't leave a body. The first thing that you notice you begin to approach towards it, however, is the towering onyx figure of Tefnishu, hey. who stands arms folded, watching towards the sky, the smaller form of his wife standing alongside of him. She gives all of you a wave as you begin to approach closer with the chariot. Now that you reach closer, you can tell that, that gray basalt disc is covered in faint hieroglyphs. Ones that you hadn't noticed on your original pass before when you were looking for Censurit. Now, however, they're much easier to note as they glow with this soft blue luminescence. The same shade of blue as you'd seen whenever you were activating the Sacrifiers. But for the most part, the entire surface of this seems to have been worn smooth by the elements and the passage of time. Strangely, though, I think you'd all notice this the first time you'd gone by it. Very little sand has gathered on the disc, as if the wind specifically seeks to keep the slab clean. Hmm. Hmm. All right, Sudi, it's uh, it's all you. Uh, okay, so walk me through what I've got to do here. Use the Pharaoh's key. On what? <laughs> that was, I think, the direction we had. I'm serious. Sudi just looks at Masika like, <laughs> how? <laughs> I suppose as you pull the chariot up short, I'm assuming alongside Tefnaju. Yep. Yeah. Masika waves at Tefnaju and his wife. It's happening. You don't uh, happen to know how we're supposed to use the Pharaoh's key, because that's all Chistasek told us is use the key. Tefnaju is quiet. For a moment, it seems like he didn't even actually hear you as his wife kind of reaches up and <laughs> squeezes a couple of his fingers. <laughs> he looks back down, looks back at all of you. Sorry, I didn't. Not that I doubted you, but it seemed like a, a long shot. Hmm. And now it's happening. You're going to be free soon. After 6,000 years. It's been a long time coming. He nods. Averia just pats his arm. They need to know how to use the, the disc. Like most of this, it's pretty straightforward. There's an indentation in the very center of the disc. Place the key in it. You've already armed and aimed the device. Hmm. Seiko will hop out of the carriage. But I think it's Sudi that has to do it. Yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah say, but I think, she's I think just getting I out of the carriage. To free, I have to do it to free Tefnaju. Tefnaju. I don't know if all of you are making your way. Again, it's just a it's a 50-foot disc, so it's just I'm a quick 25-foot walk. I'm concerned pull it down on top of that disc. So I'm going to move my carriage out of the way and stand back. All right. Um, I guess, it will not um, be an instantaneous effect, and we should all be ready. Okay. Ready for what? For what happens when it crashes down. Whatever could happen. No. Activating this is an exceptionally powerful source of magic. Most of the Oshumentals despise the elemental forces. The moment they sense it, they'll come. Oh. Oh, okay. We should be prepared to defend it. Okay. Okay. All right. Everybody ready. As we can be. Masika pats Sudi on the shoulder reassuringly. Here goes Alice prepares an additional prismatic wall. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Uh, okay, so Sudi, Sudi's nerves are getting to him. He's just going to run. Like, he sprints to the center of this thing, slides in like he's sliding into home, and then, like, puts the key in and, I don't know, turns it? No, it's just an indentation. You just set it in. Oh, you just set it on top of it? Okay. Yeah. Sudi rushing forward. The entirety of this disc is covered in the sun-like design at the center of which is a circle maybe some 20 feet across. At the center of that is a small indentation, almost the exact size of the spherical key that you carry. Rushing forward, reaching this place, you place the Pharaoh's key at the heart of the sun disk. 
the moment that you do so, the entirety of the disc lights up, electricity streaming across the runes around you. Uh-oh. The sacrifiers begin to glow even brighter, and the flashes of electricity become a constant stream. As they do so, all of the streams seem to lift up, going from a web overhead to something almost more akin to a dome. It begins to bend, as if soaring up over where you're standing now, as I imagine you begin to step back a couple of feet. Uh, Sudi starts running back to the edge of the disc. <laughs> Rushing back, which may be pertinent. Yep. The arcs of electricity form up into the sky before seeming to form into this massive, again, almost dome over your heads. It steadily begins to build in power and all of you can feel this thrum. The ground vibrates enough that you can see the sand beginning to push backwards as if rippling out from a central impact in water. Electricity begins to stream covering the entire surface of the disk, the area surrounding the sun out to a range of about some 25 feet or so yep, around the central stone. As you rush back and away from this, you can easily reach the edge before it actually causes any damage or anything. You can feel like little static bursts across your feet as you rush say, back thanks, from it. Thankfully, I can make that distance in like six seconds. It begins to crackle with power. And Tefnas, you nods. The last time they used it, it took some time. It will build up to its full strength, at which point it will find and pull the pyramid from wherever it is. So you, you mentioned the Ostumentals are going to come. How yes. long do we need to defend this place? Until this is done. Which is... Do you remember how long it took last time? Five minutes, ten perhaps. Oh, that's a long time. Okay. That's a long combat. Tefnaju pulls his weapon. Takes some time to go ahead and cast Stone Skin. Bears Endurance. Shield. <laughs> <laughs> yep, let we me go ahead and do We all just see him do my... this and we all just start looking around like, all right, what buffs have I got? I'm going to resist energy communal electricity, everybody. It's a great plan. That's or at least a, main party. Plan. Go ahead and mirror image myself. I suppose you take a moment to gather yourselves. Wait. Let's set up some prismatic walls. Let's see what kind of distance I'm working yeah, with. Yeah, because if you do that, that'll... St Wait. Uh, do they have, like, Earth Glide or anything? Do we know? Some of them will. Maybe. Yeah, yeah so you might not want to... Yeah, if you don't... So the walls will only stop some of them, so we may actually... Well, I'm not going to circle it. It's not a cir I'm not going to make it a circle around it. I'm just going to use it to shore up the weak points. So you could wall off part of it. Yeah, I was thinking I would like, and I could cast this more than one time, but I think I was just going to wall off like the back half or, or something so that we have less to worry about there. Yeah, because we basically could make it so they have to come at us from one half of it. That's less that we have to run on because we can't go through the, the giant electricity field. We've got to go around it. So and by back half, you mean the, the top half or what part? Do you uh, I would say top half for us, although the top that, half where Sudi is. That's completely arbitrary, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the back half to me because I'm standing at what I call the front half. Yeah, because we're standing <laughs> on the south side. So, so yeah, basically, like, we can put it as, like, two walls, if, assuming you have two walls. I and have two. we can basically block off and kind of funnel them all towards one half of this um, kind of circle. Okay, so I'll throw a wall down across the north and then across the west, like, 90-degree angle together, like two, and then how two long spells. Can your how long can your wall be? Um, 60 feet. I don't have a lot of 8th level spells that are going to be super helpful in this fight, so that is great. I see. Interesting. 8th uh, level spells are weird for me. Like, I didn't prepare some of them, and then some of them... Prismatic Wall's just so good. 
I mean, in this case, it's actually super useful, so. Crowd control and, I figured if we're having a raid, <laughs> it was like crowd control. Let me think about that. Yeah. And Hollis can actually walk through this wall without hurting herself. So if, if we need to do that for some reason, I can. So Sudi's gonna position himself. Like if you guys are taking the south, Sudi's gonna take the east. Citra and Sudi should be fastest. together for sneak attack. Yeah. yeah, but well, Sudi's the fastest, so he can he can run back if you guys get jumped. Well, I guess you have Tefnaju to to help protect. Yeah, if Citra wants to come with me, that probably would be good because we can combo up. Hollis is gonna go hang out next to the wall. Sika um, is gonna get kind of between the two groups, just of the. Or so the, you can run wherever you're kind yeah. of needed. Yeah. Here, little shortstop. Mm. <laughs> yeah. We are kind of a raid, like we're playing baseball. I'm <laughs> so third like, base. Citra's yeah, so basically, base. like, if you imagine a diamond in a baseball uh, thing, we've got one, like, where you're pitching oh, first base. and hitting is, like, where the two walls meet. And then you've got Hollis on first, uh, Masika on second, Sudi is now shortstop, and uh, Citrus on third. And the Tefnaju <laughs> crew are playing outfield, I guess. I, they kind of outfield, but they're also, like, like instead the, of being shortstop, right it'd be, like, the opposite of shortstop, like, between first and second base. Hmm. Isn't that still shortstop? Oh, right, because, yeah, because yeah, they basically shortstop. go to the side they think the ball's going to go to, so if somebody's left-handed, they would go to the other side. We got real sportsy Welcome here. Welcome to the anyway. Find the Path Baseball <laughs> podcast, y'all. And Heather is sitting here going, hey, it's I sports sport. and there's a ball. I know sport. <laughs> I was going to say, I played shortstop. That's why I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Heather doesn't do sports. I haven't uh, done sports since middle school, but I did play sports okay, back in the day. Here's what we need to do, do y'all. We all need to play games. like a uh, a sports video game and just watch Heather try to play it. Like, what is this? That would be sports amazing. Sports video games is not like a playing actual sport. Yeah, does Mario Golf count? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Mario, we'll play some Mario Golf, Mario Tennis, Mario uh, I'm soccer, good at Mario whatever. Golf. But I'm good like, at Mario Tennis. Rules of real life sports games? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, so no. you don't want to play FIFA? <laughs> oh, heck no. <laughs> no one wants to well, not really. A lot of people want to play FIFA. A lot of people like to play FIFA and Madden and everything. So, all right. Well, all right. So we're waiting for the swarm of the creepy elementals. Oh, I'm gonna make sure Is I have it? my fly on for the day and my see invisibly on for the day. Great plan. I'm really hoping none of the Ashamentals come in invisibly, but just in case. Well, just that. Those are the things that she just casts when it's time to go in the morning. Yes, I would like to cast mine. What your invisibility? I have a see invisibility scroll. Oh, right, right, right. Remember, I'm like Hollis's little You're the little apprentice, apprentice Good wizard. Good job. Yes. Hollis is pleased. Hollis is like clapping and cheering in the background. <laughs> a minute passes, then a second minute, and then a third. The energy builds. The vibrations again push out until eventually the entire area immediately around this stone is cleared of sand as if pushed out into the surrounding trench. The air becomes almost somewhat difficult to breathe as all of you feel this stinging sensation in your nose and your eyes water from the sheer amount of ozone, this constant smell of lightning in the air. Eventually, all of the bones scattered about rise almost seemingly up. We should have kicked Not those away. floating, but shifting, like iron filings somewhere near magnet as they all seem to oh. shift around and point in the direction of the center of this eye. The sky above begins to fill with clouds again as the temperature continues to drop, although not directly above you. Like the swirling eye of open sky overhead surrounded by these dark clouds that begin to form in steadily expanding spirals outwards from the very center of this. I imagine for a moment all of you kind of get this, what have we done 
exactly thing as you've activated this 6,000-year-old artifact. Hollis is just staring in awe. There's a reason why Masika was like, yeah, I mean, I know we have to do this, but I'm nervous. But yeah, like, I mean, (laughs) we're playing with forces we barely understand. This is Hollis's best day. (laughs) Spoken like a true wizard. Yep. She's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. (laughs) Not to mention, she's also an archaeologist. Well, that's true. I was going to say, actually, for archaeology and magic, best day ever. Um, I love that you're just like, we'll ride the lightning. This will be fine. (laughs) This is this is what adventure is about. Turn it on artifacts and just feel like you're Indiana Jones's dad right now when he finally gets to get near the Holy Grail. Yeah. (laughs) The air shifts off to the south. All of you can see this this flickering, almost like fairy fire or St. Elmo's fire rolling across the earth. The ground shifts as this skeletal figure comprised of dozens of different skeletons reaches up claws claws, claws, claws. As its four claws begin to rip up from the earth, it rises up. Fire blackened bones streaming with what appears to be some sort of molten sand and glass flowing off of it as it rises up. Cool. (laughs) Definitely, that's not a whole horde. That's just one big guy. That's big. He's about like 15 feet tall or so. My lord. Large size. Citra, as you glance in that direction, instinctively you begin to look about, and as you look back behind you, you can see another figure comprised of sand and dust and rock forming up out of the bones scattered about the earth. Tefnaju nods, hefting his sword. It would appear that this is the first wave. And I will need initiative from the party. Ha-ha! Ready. I didn't realize that this was going to become kill team. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's defend the flag, essentially. Yep. Hollis is not ready. That's what I will say. Oh, Sudi's super not ready, too. Let's hope this wall worked out. All right, combat begins. What do we get for initiative for Hollis Starkweather? Hollis rolled a four for an 11. Sudi Kantar. Sudi rolled a three for a six. Oh, sorry, seven. Not a great start. Masika super the bad. Masika rolls a 13 for a 16. Okay. Better. Citra Nahamra. Uh, Citra rolled a 12 for an 18. Hmm. Okay. Boy, Tefnas, you coming in with a 12. Solid. Averia coming in with a 23. There Ooh, we go. Nice. She's good. Good to see what she's all about. Bard stuff. And I'll need a roll off with Masika. Oh, no. That's unfortunate. I roll a 19 for a 22. Round one of combat begins. Averia gets first initiative. she go ahead and start off by... Hasting herself, Tefnaju, and Masika, since Masika's in range. Nice. Nice. And she'll follow that with a move action to inspire courage, giving a plus two to hit and damage for everyone that can hear her, which is all of you. Yay! As she bursts into this ancient song, the Song of the Sands, she will take a five-foot step closer to Tefnaju. Smart. Oh. Yeah, if my husband was, like, a giant rock man, I'd hide behind him, too. Right? <laughs> I mean... You're a weasel, medium-sized unwise. person. <laughs> that will bring us to the Alshimental. Boo. It begins striding forward, heading straight towards Tefnaju and Averia. As it rushes forward, all of you can see this flame well up inside of its empty ribcage before its jaw distends. Again, it splits open before it vomits forth this cloud of bones and fire that stream across the distance, requiring a reflex save from both of them, which both succeed. So 25 points of bludgeoning and fire damage, which would be 12 points for each of them. 
as it blasts out this stream of flames, all of you can just see that it just seems to collapse or almost hurl itself forward with the blast. It then okay. reforms itself on the opposite side of Tefnaju. Why? They can no move way. along that. As it reassembles, Tefnaju trying to turn in place as he stumbles from the blast of fire to his face. Whoa. That's a cool move. Oh, that's right. They can these. like ride the lightning or whatever, right? Yeah, they can follow their... Breath weapon, that's yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a problem. Yep, as a free action, it can teleport itself to any unoccupied area affected by its breath weapon. Dang. From there we go to Citra Nahambra. Hmm. How dare they use tactics against us? I'm debating whether to just ready or... Because I can't close that distance. Um, yeah, I think I'll go ahead and do that where I'm going to vanish and then I'm going to move slightly... Uh, north of the prismatic wall. I mean, not that he knows that I'm there. That way, if he does try to move around the wall, I'm there. If he tries to move through the wall, I'm close. Very well. Rounding the corner on the wall. Oh, gosh. Citra rounds the corner and sees a third one beginning to approach on the blind side from the two walls as it begins to close on the group from the northwestern direction. Uh, this one, as by the way, is covered in this rhyme of ice with these almost icicle-like <laughs> blades extending from its hand as it begins aye, to close aye, on all aye. of you. Figure as she's running, she's like, Sooty, one through the north, one northwest. Sooty just hears that and goes, oh, Sidus, seriously? Because <laughs> of course they would have to come from where we put the wall up. <laughs> well, we want the walls to hold them and force them to go around. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's going to force them to come around, though. We don't I mean, know. they can try to go through it if they want to. I mean, there's a chance they could make it. They make enough saves, you know. It's a lot of saves, but sure, it's possible. From Citra, we go to Masika of the Beckon. You're hasted. Yeah, Masika is going to cast Call Lightning. Hey, are we outdoors in a stormy area right now? <laughs> I was saying that you more are. lightning right now. Um, yeah. yeah, so it'll do 3d10. So... It takes me the full round to cast, but at the completion, upon, immediately at the completion, I can call down a bolt. From Masika, we go to Tefnaju. The Magus will take a five-foot slide to the side, stepping around, kind of positioning himself between this thing and Hollis. Thanks. He will then, he'll go ahead and do his uh, spell combat. He'll go ahead and heft the axe of the Imperative, spin and swing, starting with a 38, which will strike his target. Nice. Yeah. Following that up with a 24, which will miss his target. That was a three. Follows that up with a 31, which will strike his target. Follows that up with a 27, which will strike his target. So three hits. Go ahead and get that damage in first. For a total of 54 points of damage across the three swings as he begins to hammer his blade home. He'll then finish that up with a... Let's go ahead and... uh, He'll have to cast that on the defensive of which he succeeds. And it's an oldie but a goodie for him. Uh, He'll follow that up with a force punch. Ah, As he then lashes out with his other fist, slams, uh, gets to make a melee touch attack. There you go. There's a natural 20, which will automatically hit threat. Nice. Ooh, although this is a touch attack. Yeah, it's still 32 to succeed. Nice. Hopefully that succeeds. Critical (laughs) force punch. Yeah. Maybe that'll knock knock it away. So that is... 20d4 force damage as he punches into it for 50 <laughs> points of force damage Ooh, my lord. as it rocks back <laughs> under the impact. Break them bones, yeah. Oh my gosh, 20d4? Wow. I love it. Yikes. I'm here for it. Uh, following that, let's see, it causes the target to be pushed away from you in a straight line up to five feet per two caster levels. 
Ooh, so that would be 30 feet back. Uh, for every oh, wow. size category of the target above medium, reduce the distance back by five feet. So 25 feet back. Uh, it does get a fortitude save. This is technically something that would also affect objects, even though this thing is a uh, crazy undead. <laughs> DC for your force punch. That is a failure. Nice. Get wrecked. All right. So blows it 25 feet back as he slices <laughs> into it three times and then punches it across the field. I love that he slammed it right by Masika. <laughs> I can't see That's... it, but I'm assuming it's epic. <laughs> I, I did not realize. So she, he basically punched it 25 feet. It's now threatening Masika. Oh, jeez. Like, he basically took the baseball and just passed it to the shortstop. Didn't or second base, sorry. Through. Yeah, that didn't work. That was not exceptionally. That was almost a little too good. Your Sudi. From Tap is you, we go to Hollis Starkweather. <laughs> um, Hollis would like to remember what we know about these things. <laughs> Sure, you may make an alt religion. I think you guys have leveled up since then, so you might gain some more information than you had before. Oh, God, okay, this is not great rolling time for me. I rolled a six for, or sorry, no, I rolled a four for a 30. A 30? You can identify this as an Oshimental. Mm-hmm, yep. Uh, Oshimentals are found exclusively in the enigmatic location known as the Slave Trenches of Hakatep, uh, which is here where the strong elemental forces and massive loss of mortal life used to excavate the earthworks combine to create these terrifying creatures. Unfortunately, that's really all you know about it. That, and they can teleport through their breath weapon, which is what you knew previously. Well, I was hoping for, like, how many hit die these things are to see if a spell would be worth casting. Um, eh, disintegrate. Well, keep in mind that they are, uh, I mean, if, yeah, if you're looking for something, if you're talking about dismissal, despite the fact that they're elementals, they're elementals oh, bound to undead, undead to forms. Death. Ah, that might work, too. Yeah, uh, yeah but, I mean, I was going to wait till they were more crowded, potentially, but if they're above nine hit die, undeath to death doesn't work at all, so. Mm. Yeah. So that's the thing. I don't know what their it hit die is. It also allows a save. So. Well, yeah, but you gotta risk it for the biscuit and magic, friend. It's good for when you're just getting <laughs> mobbed by skeletons. Biscuit. <laughs> you gotta risk it for the biscuit and magic. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the goal. Uh, but instead, I'll just, uh, you know, I'll just uh, disintegrate this guy. We'll put that on Hollis's tombstone. Okay. <laughs> if you pass, risk it for the biscuit. Risk it for yeah. the biscuit. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you'll need to go ahead and make uh, your ranged attack as right. Hollis chants and tones extends index and middle finger forward. Okay, that's better. A green ray streaks across the distance. Again, I always picture people like lighting up like a Star Trek whenever they're hit by it. Yeah, it's just a, a little laser shot. Yeah, I, re I rolled a 13 for a 24 to touch it. It is big. A 24 will hit your target's touch AC as the ray go. streaks across the distance and slices into the fiery skeletal monster. Okay, it gets a fort save, and this does also affect objects. Fortitude save. It gets a. It gets a twenty even. It fails because my DC's up to a twenty-four. There we go. Oh, oh goodbye. Go. Now it does many damages. All right, here we go. Ten at a time. <laughs> Ten at a time. Oh my God. When even the number of boom dice that you have is not enough to contain your awesome. I need to get more boom dice out. I'm pretty sure about. I really just kind of taken to just rolling <laughs> via the. Oh, that's Random so much. Yeah, I was going to say, you should that's really yeah. put that in roll 20. It'll save us a ton of time. That's what I'm doing. We, we've just upped to too many dice now. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, whenever we do this, disintegrates, it always was like, and we pause for five minutes while we have to count up I all the dice. I was not going to roll my D4 20 times. I only have one. It's not going <laughs> to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. Add that up. This is going to be an ungodly amount of damage. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, my so that's gosh. 89 <laughs> points of damage to disintegrate the bejesus wow. side of this thing. I am surprised you only got one six out of a full 30 I dice. I rolled a better roll I'm with real <laughs> dice, but whatever, it's fine. 
Eh, balanced out. 89 is good. The ray streaks across the good. distance, slams into this thing as it goes stumbling back from Tefnaju's hit as Masika kind of like opens up one eye, her head thrown back, her arms reached up towards the sky and kind of watches this thing before there's this flash of green and it just disintegrates into dust next to her. <laughs> I like the idea that oh it, sli- it slides like one of those, you know, like uh, animes. And then Masika looks Sudi, over like, this. what? And it just like a ray chases it. <laughs> And then with Hollis's move action, she's going to do something kind of weird. She's going to walk through her prismatic wall to see what's on the other side to make sure there's nothing too close. Hey, you know what? It's your wall. Abuse and that's it. like Why 10 not? feet. And then she's going to walk back to the other side where the wall is. And that's her whole turn. So she essentially <laughs> walks through, looks through. around, and walks back. That's the whole thing. Very well. That's funny. So, yeah, stepping through, you can, uh, well, when you did step through the other side, you could have seen the other one that was approaching that Citra mentioned. All right. That's From covering the, the, the rhyme of ice. And when you did that, that one saw you. It's coming. It's coming for you. Come through my wall, baby. <laughs> I, I saw someone peeking. I peeked. You gotta risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> risk it for the biscuit. Oh my god. Have you never heard that before, Rach? It's not I a new phrase. Not. You've no. never oh, heard that? Yeah, it's not a new oh. phrase. I didn't coin that phrase. Sudikantar. So Sudi hears they're coming from the north and the northwest, goes. Osiris, seriously? And then here's behind, like, turns his head, here's behind him, suit it yours, and uh, the giant, like, scraping of this thing sliding around. Then it gets, turns in time to see it get disintegrated, goes, this is so weird, and then just keeps running north. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to move, uh, let's see, 10, 20, 30 feet puts me parallel to the wall. Oh, they, they're really far away. I can detect where Citra is. Yep, through the vibrations in the ground. I don't want to get too far away from the wall. So I am going to finish my movement. So 40, 50 feet, just straight north. Uh, swift action, make myself big. Make myself a big old target. Free action to uh, to point my, my finger at it and go, hey, over here, and just kind of like wave it over. <laughs> so hopefully that Citra gets a chance to sneak it and uh, ready to punch it whenever it gets within my melee range. <laughs> See if it actually does. Very well. That brings us to the creature. <laughs> Dang creatures creeping, Cre- creaching. That didn't really work. Nope, it didn't. Nope, sure didn't. <laughs> it can make its way forward, closing 30 feet closer. Could charge instead. Nope, it reaches that point before it distends its jaw yeah. and blasts out this cone of sand and dust and bones. I will need a reflex save from Sudi Kantar. Okay, my newly enhanced reflex. Okay. You close your eye, turn your head to the side. That's an 11 for a 28. Bum, bum. With a 28, you spring aside. Citra, I imagine you stumble a half step back as this misses you by inches as it sears past you in this blast of sand. The thing crumples away as Sudi rolls completely to the side before springing up to his feet. As Sudi, through your, like, through your hands and feet as you're kicking off of the ground, after rolling it aside, you can feel the vibrations immediately behind you as it reappears, materializing inches away from you. And I punch it. Very well. Oh, that's a perfect 20. Oh, love a perfect to see 20 it. will automatically yes. hit threat. Roll to confirm. I love that for you. Oh, that's a 15 on the die for a 39 to confirm. Oh, Big boy, Sudi. 39 will confirm your critical hit as you spit around, lash out, and kick into the side of this thing. Big uh, boy, Bardic Sudi. Inspiration, does that double? Yep. I didn't even I include that Bardic. in the hits. Yeah, so remember you have Bardic Inspiration. Um, okay, so that I'm is going to up. be 46 plus 24. <laughs> there you go. 
Get him. 39 points of damage. A solid hit. As this thing comes up and Sunni just haymakers it. There you go. Yep, you kick into the side of it. Ribs go flying everywhere. It only has like 50 of them left as you smash into the side of it. But it does seem to throw it off balance as it staggers to the side as you hit on a whip point. So he's doing that thing where he's like, I think I hit something important, but I can't really tell what was important on it. Yep. Well, it might have been important if it just been one of them. Yeah. <laughs> if it was a single skeleton, it would have been very important. But yep. we have a surplus. <laughs> yeah. Much like a Krogan, he has redundant everything. Oh, uh, redund- <laughs> redundant, redundant nervous bits. system. He's <laughs> like, oh, Krogan. that has been awful. <laughs> yep. From there, we go to Averia. Uh, she will go ahead and rush her way forward past Masika. I'll buy you time if you need it. She will then uh, stop, chant, and tone, and disappear from sight. From cool. our bard. Who is still singing while invisible. Still singing while invisible. Makes it a little harder to stealth, but I mean, the very least things can't see her. Yeah. We go to more of the Ashimentals. Tefnagia looks back over towards Hollis. There's another flaming one coming up alongside us. All right. He nods past the wall that you're standing next to. From there, we go to Citra Nahamra. Citra is going to slide back into a very nice flank, even though she doesn't really need it, but at least it puts her in position. Hey, you can full out attack this time. You can get all the flank. Exactly. Um, So I would like to go ahead and two weapon fight. All right. Snap your finger, draw your offhand weapon. Yep. First attack is not good. (laughs) He's flat footed. (laughs) Maybe. He is flat-footed, and I do have bonuses and stuff. Uh, 28? Rolled a 7? 28 will hit your flanked, flat-footed opponent. There we go. Okay. That will be 34 points of regular damage, 2 points of electricity, and 4 points of fire damage. Okay. That's the first. A solid blow as you stab into the back of this thing as it's still rocking from Sudi's hit. As soon as you see Citra materialize on the opposite side of it. He's also bewildered and disoriented. Very well. I would be too. Just, yes. Yeah, just, he just got he just got clocked hard, stabbed in the back. Yes. And he's about to get he's probably get a lot more too. Uh, unfortunately, I rolled another seven, uh, so I don't think this one will hit. Plus two for Bardic. I know. Even with all that, it's only a twenty-three. Twenty-three. Yeah. Twenty-three will strike your flanked opponent with a minus six AC due to the sneak attack. Hi, get him! Okay. Get him! Uh, okay. This is why Enchained right. Rogues are awesome. True. All right, that is uh, 43 points of regular damage, five points of electricity, and four points of fire. Another solid stab as you continue to ram your blade into his back. It is still going. All right, my... Uh, so you begin to, like, pry hand? your kookery into its spine. <laughs> oh, that's 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 much better. That That's much better. Uh, that would be a, I rolled a 15 for a 36. Nice. 36 will strike your flanked and bewildered opponent. Or debilitated, whichever one gives the minus. Disoriented. Distraught. Discombobulated. Distracted. Be uh, 36 <laughs> regular, 5 electricity, 6 fire. Dang. The third blow, however, brings it down as you slice into its spine, snapping through it as the thing collapses. Nice. She's probably like, that looks important. <laughs> There's a lot of them, though. <laughs> that looks like that's There's a, a, connective, a, a connective piece that's holding a bunch of this together. <laughs> that brings us to Masika of the Beckon. So I'm going to call down the two bolts on the one that I can see way over here. I have 250 reach with this. 
So you want to strike the one that is coming around the prismatic wall towards uh, Hollis and Tefnaju? Yes. It needs to make a reflex save. Get it with reflex lightning. Reflex save, you Very, very frightening. <laughs> Mama mia, You Mama chant mia. and tone, call down a blast. Yeah, at least we're playing first edition. Uh, that is a natural one. <laughs> he is not carrying oh, any equipment for that to damage, so it doesn't really matter. All right, it takes 23 points of lightning damage. Nice. And I'm going to use my standard action to call a lightning bolt. Yay. Then it needs to make another reflex save. <laughs> There's a solid three seconds between those booms. It's wonderful. I mean, let's think about it. Lightning strikes real fast, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like instant. This time, however, that is a 27. Yeah, that'll pass. So I do 24 points of damage, so it only takes 12. Lightning streaks down from the heavens as Masika calls upon the powers of nature. Nice. Your move action remaining if you'd like to take it. I'll stay here. This spell has a pretty decent range, so... And there's nowhere I can move to see the whole field, and I don't want to leave Tefnaju defending this one side completely on his own. So for Citra, for Sudi, there's this crackling of thunder. Again, you can't even see. You just see more bolts of lightning streaming down from the sky. This seems to almost be retorted by another. There's this crackling of energy as another skeletal arm bursts free as another yeah. one of these creatures begins to claw Seriously. its way free from the dirt as they have now outflanked you once again. These guys. And we'll pick it up here next time. Oh. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Dang it. Good gracious. This is a castle <laughs> defense. This is, we just have to fight yeah. them off until the thing is done. Have the water boy there. <laughs> That's basically what, uh, Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mommy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mommy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.